What up, what up, party people? As always, it is a damn good day to have a damn good day. And also, with the new year's approaching, it is a damn good time for us to get our goals in line for 2020. This means that if you've been procrastinating on a goal or mission or anything that you've really wanted to achieve, now is the time to accomplish it. I don't know about you, but this past year has flown by, which reminds us that if we don't take action now, another year will pass, and after that, another year. Before you know it, your commitments may get larger. Maybe you take on a new job. Maybe you have to start caring for a family. Maybe your family expands, maybe you get sick, whatever it is, now is the time to make moves on your goals. A tool that I highly recommend everyone use to organize their goals and just organize their life is called Notion. They have a free tier that should satisfy about 90% of people, but is amazing for organizing your goals in life. I'd explain it as sort of like a CRM meets Asana that meets Google Docs. I use this to track every aspect of my business and the software sort of acts as the HQ to my world. I love how easy easy to use the platform is and the features that really help you design your life and hold yourself accountable. There's a reason they are currently valued at $800 million. So check it out and let me know what you think. An audiobook that I just finished is Genghis Khan in the Making of the Modern World. Here's a brief description. The Mongol army led by Genghis Khan subjugated more lands and people in 25 years than the Romans did in 400. In nearly every country the Mongols conquered, they brought an unprecedented rise in cultural communication, expanded trade, and a blossoming of civilization. Vastly more progressive than his European or Asian counterparts, Genghis Khan abolished torture, granted universal religious freedom, and smashed feudal systems of aristocratic privilege. From the story of his rise to the tribal culture to the explosion of civilization that the Mongol Empire unleashed, this brilliant work of revisionist history is nothing less than an epic story of how the modern world was made. I just found this to be a very badass, captivating book, so if you're into this type of stuff, check it out. And if you're new to the podcast, our mission here is twofold. To educate aspiring entrepreneurs by dissecting the come-up stories of incredible humans by extracting the golden nuggets that you can apply now to better your life. And second, to have all my friends in my life that are making moves, to meet all of my other friends in life that are making moves, to create one giant community of extraordinary people. Today's episode, I am joined by a legend in the real estate world, Danny Morrill. Danny's company has done over $1.1 billion in real estate and has been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur Magazine, Business Insider, Huffington Post, and Success Magazine. Danny is the author of The Resilience Roadmap, which is a guide to building your ideal business. He also has run some amazing events, most notably his event called The Relentless Event. Danny has had featured guests like Gary Vee, Rob Dyrdek, and Kobe Bryant at his seminars of 50 1,500 people giving incredible coaching and training. On today's episode, we speak about what it takes to build a massive real estate business, maintaining work-life balance, and how spirituality and health are crucial to working at a high level. As always, you can watch this podcast with Danny and I live on YouTube. And if you find this content valuable, we ask you to like, comment, and share the good vibes. Now, without further ado, episode 62, let's jump into it. We're live with Danny Morrill. Danny, how you doing, my friend? Doing great. How about yourself? Living the dream. And I'm so glad that we finally connected. I love following you on Instagram. You're just such an interesting, high energy person. Have you always been that way? Uh, you know, I don't have a great memory, so I would say for as long as I can remember, yeah. <laughs> well, well, you're all about that healthy eating train now. So yeah. 
that seems to have been like a big step up in your life. Did you always eat healthy or is that something that's somewhat new? I mean, that's a great question. I think I've always been health conscious, you know, and I think I've always for the most part knew that, you know, I wanted to live a long life. And uh, in order to do that, you got to take care of yourself. And so, yeah, I think I've always have a health consciousness. It's just recently um, it's becoming more and more apparent to me uh, as I'm getting older that, you know, I've got a body and I've got to take care of it if I want to live to be, you know, 100 years old, which that's my goal. Yeah, 100 years old, boom. It's interesting to think that when you're younger, all you want to do is drown your body in in alcohol. And I wouldn't say when you're younger, because I mean, my dad's still a champion. I mean, drinks like he's 21. But, uh, you know, whenever you're you're younger, it's just part of your culture. But then as you as you age, just every every drink, just man, it weighs on you and eating bad food, it weighs on you. And our generation and this whole new like awakeness that's happened in the world is so focused on health consciousness to preserve that go to get it attitude and just always be on and you seem like someone that's just always on like you're the type of dude that's making moves making business moves did you were you always into this like world of business or like what was like pre-college like for you yeah that's a great question um i think you know i started my first business when i was nine or 10. I remember um, uh, pencil fighting. Pencil fighting was was a big deal. And so I would go and I would like buy pencils like cheap and then I would sell them at school. So that that was my first business. The second business I ever did was um, I was really terrible at math, but it was because I was lazy. And so I got put in in my senior year in the dumbed down math. Like it wasn't geometry or algebra. It was just like basically like just basic math. I don't know. I don't know what happened there. But anyhow, the teacher would put up, there were 30 worksheets per quarter. And every worksheet, she would put them up and you, you know, eventually the wall had all 30 worksheets. So you could know what you had to finish in order to get, you know, your passing grade. Well, what I did was I just got the worksheets and I just saved them in a folder and I just kept all of them. And I would tell all the kids in my class and in the other periods about them and I would charge like two bucks a sheet. Hmm. So I ended up making a couple hundred bucks um, uh, a month on this and that was my second business. Yeah, and that's a lot of money for you know, not anyone at that yeah. age. Like, uh, what, what is pencil fighting? Can you expand on that? What are you, what are you yeah, talking about? Yeah, pencil fighting is, you know, well, this is an Apple pencil now. But if you could just picture a wood pencil, right. you grab it like this and you, and you, and someone holds their pencil and you just like flick it until it breaks. And then that's called pencil fighting. Yeah. Got it. Okay, cool. I remember. <laughs> I'll tell you this. I've done a lot of podcasts. I don't think I've shared that anywhere. <laughs> I've done a lot of like the karate chops with the pencils, just straight karate chop and pencils. Yeah. But that's, that's creating, that, that's interesting. Yeah. So did, did you go to school after that or what was that look? Yeah, everything started when I went to college and I was in college for, I would say one semester. And at the time my family was so poor. We lived in a single parent household. It was my mother and three boys 
that we got assistance, like, you know, like I got on like financial aid or something like that. And we were so poor that not only did I get my school paid for, my books paid for, but I also got like a stipend every month of like, actually, I think it was like $1,300 per quarter is what I got. And um, eventually what happened with me was I felt so guilty about receiving that money. I thought that, you know, maybe other people who really wanted to attend school would receive it you know, better or would do better with it that I went ahead and I, I just, I just gave up. I, I quit because I found myself wanting to get into business. And then that's when I, I was really managing my tortilla delivery business and going to school and I had a job. So, you know what, come to think of it. Yeah. I've always been pretty motivated to make money. I would say tortilla delivery business. So you just peddling door to door, like the bomb is tortillas. What does that uh, look like? I, I had a route. I had a route with stores and even elementary schools and I would get them from a wholesaler at a lower price and then I would sell them at a higher price. And yeah, that was my route. Nice. What did you expand from tortillas? Were you like, okay, I can go and do bring in the whole kitchen? No, you know, that's a great question. What ended up happening was, um, I, started to have the desire to buy my mother a house. So I was 18 years old uh, when I got into you know, the tortilla delivery business. And I made a goal for myself to buy my mother a house by the time I was 21 years old. And as I did that, I met a real estate agent. And I asked the real estate agent, you know, how much money you could make if, if I was in real estate. And he told me, and so, you know, I told him this, I said, you know what, if you want, don't pay me anything, just teach me the business. Because I've always thought that the way to make more money is to learn from people that have excelled at whatever it is that you want to do. And so I was always very coachable. And I've always said this day, I still invest in coaching very heavily. Uh, because I see it as like the matrix, right? Remember when they you just like plug in and they would like download the helicopter file and, and learn how to body. That's how real life is, is if you could find somebody who's accomplished what you want to accomplish and then you pay them or do whatever to get them to teach you, then quite frankly, the lessons that a coach could tell you, a coach could tell you one thing that could be more valuable than 10 years of your effort. And I, that's, I think what's gotten me here today. How old were you when you first met that dude? I was 19, uh, 19 or 20. Yeah. Did, did you have a, a close friend group in college that was all, also like you, that had that uh, entrepreneurial well, spirit, or were you just uh, solo? I've always been very different, very different. Um, especially if you think about it, like I grew up in a, in, a, in a poor community. I grew up in the ghetto, you know? And so I've always been very, very different. I mean, People were hustling, but they were hustling drugs or something. You know what I mean? And so, um, so yeah, I've always been pretty different. So you, you're probably super appreciative of that because you, you've come from nothing. Do you feel that was kind of a blessing in disguise? Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, everything that we go through in life, we go through it for a reason. Uh, and I personally believe that I came into this life in that situation to get me the motivation I needed to become who I am today. Yeah, for sure. Do you think that now, you know, just for fast forward, you seem to have the, the, the house, the family, the car, the, it seems like you're the picture perfect backyard. Do you feel like that is what makes you like brings you happiness or just the fact that you've accomplished what you've set out to do? Well, okay. Now we're going to get deep. So first things first, I don't think most humans know what really makes them happy. See, we've been programmed and labeled as little children. Uh, I, I, like, for example, like me, I was, I was stuck with the label of, you know, Hispanic. 
I was stuck with the label of, you know, man, male. I was stuck with the label of um, uh, Catholic. And, and all these things is like you, you get put into these little boxes and then you spend the rest of your life trying to fulfill whatever it is that you think that box means to you. The second thing that happens is that, you know, through TV and stuff, we're constantly getting bombarded with what we're told we need in order to feel good about ourselves, right? And so, no, on the contrary, you know, um, I, I went out and I found out through healing and through some of the things that I had to go through who I really am and what I really want and what really motivates me. And I've been able to build a life around that versus when I was younger, it was all about, I need stuff and I need material things to make me feel good about myself. Yeah. That seems to be a personal journey. That's going to be a little bit different for everybody, Sure, but it seems like it's all based on the perceived notion that if we could just have an extra 500 bucks a month, we would be happy. There's always more, more is the greatest drug ever invented more 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 at some point you got to ask yourself and realize what is it that you must have not what you want what you must have so for all of you entrepreneurs that are listening to me figure out what you must have in your life and then work to achieve what you must have not what you want well you've created a career as well really giving giving your insight giving um, becoming a professional speaker your conferences. I believe, uh, I know you wrote your book, The Resilience Roadmap. I want to get into that later. Uh, but Relentless V or Relentless Five, can you talk about that? Yeah. So, you know, Relentless started for us. Uh, I own a real estate brokerage uh, and your listeners might not know. We did 1.1 billion in annual sales volume. This is what we do, you know, in annual sales volume. Anyhow, Thanks to social media, so many people across the country started asking me for help or started asking us, when are we coming to their state, so forth and so on. And, you know, I started that event as a nice little, you know, three-day option for them to come and learn from what we did to help so many people here in the company grow their businesses, you know. And so it started off with us uh, bringing Tim Grover the first year. The second year we brought Gary Vaynerchuk was there. The third year, Alex Rodriguez, Ed Milet, Rob Dyrdek were there. Uh, last year, Kobe Bryant came and spoke. And uh, this year, we're expecting uh, close to 1,500 people here in Ontario, California for our, our, our annual event called Relentless. Yeah, we're really excited. Unreal. That's, that's crazy. So it's like you're be able to connect with all these amazing humans. So the whole foundation of this, your vehicle to get where you want to be was real estate. Now, yeah. I, this is something I'm very curious about because I asked the question and I know a lot of people my age, you know, specifically I'm 27 years old. A lot of people are at this point where they start to earn a lot of, a couple of dollars, you know, for the first time in their life, they have, you know, enough money where they can start investing and, and they start thinking about where to put it you know, one of those big buckets people always talk about is real estate. Some people are so pro, some people are so against. What is your thoughts on kind of how real estate has evolved maybe in the past 25 years and where you think it stands today? Well, I don't know that real estate has evolved because real estate is real estate. Mm -hmm. You know, re real estate is, is essentially a piece of land with a, with a property on it. Um, you know, prices change, so forth and so on. But I mean, I, I would say, I'll, I'll tell you this right now, like I don't invest at all in the stock market. I invest in only, two, well, I invest in three things. That's myself first and foremost, 
uh, real estate and then also art or gold, which I know isn't going to lose any value. So yeah, I would say real estate is a, it's, a, it's, I mean, for me being that I'm in the industry, I don't think you should be investing your money, quite frankly, in anything else, because I'll give you an example is people who invest money in the stock market. Right. And again, this is my perspective and there could be people killing it on the stock market, which I'm sure they are. I'm just not too comfortable in investing my money in another company where I have my own company, you know, so I'll invest it in myself or in my people. So how do you think Airbnb has changed the real estate industry? I think it's changed the hotel industry. Uh, I think it's also changed the, 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 the rental industry in that a lot of people now have the option of being able to rent or stay somewhere um, that is not a hotel. And also for some investors, they're buying properties and uh, renting them out on Airbnb and making their money back. Yeah, yeah, I think it's great. I think it's fantastic. So, you know, different markets, obviously there's going to be real estate. It's a lot more expensive in Santa Monica than it might be in, uh, you know, Springfield, Missouri or wherever you're at. Is there a certain market or certain states that you limit your portfolio of what you buy? Like, have you built this really niched way of how you look at real estate and stay within that niche? You know, man, I, I, you know, California used to be a great place. I think because of the politics of it now, it's just getting very, very, very difficult. So I like to see, you know, blue collar areas um, with lower price points that are a little bit more manageable. Um, and so for right now, Arizona, Utah, Texas, uh, not only to mention they're closer to the West Coast. So yeah, that's, that's really what I like to see. What are the biggest, the, the hardest lessons that early real estate investors learn the hard way? You better know your damn numbers. <laughs> <laughs> better know your numbers. I think that's a big lesson. Uh, so you, before you do anything, you have to understand your formulas, what's working for you. You've got to understand how much rehab is involved in the house. Uh, but more than anything, the money is made or lost on the purchase. Uh, you, you know, that's the beautiful thing. It's just numbers. So as long as you understand how the numbers work, you're good to go. And then just by being around real estate for so long, you feel like you've kind of developed an eternal compass for what those numbers should look like or are you wrong sometimes? No, I'm never wrong when it comes to that. No, because there, there's no way to be wrong. In other words, it's just, it's just comparables, right? It's just data. It's just understanding data. So it's understanding, you know, if I, if I'm looking at a house, I have an idea. If I go to a rental meter, I have an idea of what I can rent the house for. Right. And I also have an idea if I go in the MLS, which as, as a real estate professional, I have access to, I've got an idea of how much the house is worth. So no, it's just simple data. So rental meter is something that you as a, as a broker are constantly using to kind of gauge where that at. Is that an accurate number that's presented? It's not as a broker, as an investor. And as yes, an investor. It's a very accurate number. Rental meter. Yeah. I highly recommend it. I don't recommend Zillow. It's an inaccurate number. So it seems like you're very cut and dry. The way you look at real estate is it's just boom. It's, it's, it wins every time if you just know the numbers. It's that simple. Look, I, I'm cut and dry about everything in life. So many people operate in gray. I either operate, it's black or white. It's either a win or a fail. It's either a yes or a no. It's either I'm going to do it or not going to do it. Is it, it's I'm in or out. So yeah, that's just, and, and I think that's what's helped me become, you know, uh, successful and achieve whatever it is that I've achieved.
So if you want to start a small little real estate empire and you're just getting into it for the first time, what is your thoughts on property management? Does you know an investor have to become a handyman in order to do this, or how do they avoid that pitfall with you know maybe hiring the right person or and or what to look for? Well, yeah, again, so it's in the numbers. So if in the numbers you build in property management and you build in maintenance and you build build in all of these things, then then it's it's all there. It's all there for you. Yeah, and I would tell you this: the property manager is what makes it or breaks it. Really? Yeah. Well, that's what's going to either give you freedom or have you have a headache. So you got to pick a great property manager. So wherever you're looking to build real estate, that's number the first thing you have to figure out is obviously who's going to manage it while you're gone. Yeah. Well, the first thing you got to figure out is if it's a deal or not. But the second thing you got to figure out is where you're going to get your financing from. And then the third thing you got to figure out is who's going to manage the property. Right. Boom. Done. Three-step process. Go yeah. buy your, go buy some homes. That's it. Yeah. Has, has this whole journey kind of taught you a lot about just other, ter- other types of businesses? Like, have you ever been interested in, in other aspects, maybe e-commerce or uh, online marketing than real estate? Yeah. I mean, we do that for my coaching business because I, you know, I do, I do have a coaching platform. And so, yeah, we, we do, but you know, that's the thing that I think most people don't understand, you know, is business is a reflection of the soul. Your business, your outer world is a reflection of what's going on in your inner world. And so for me, a big thing is understanding that like the principles that I teach are, you need two things in order to be successful in business. Well, I would say three, number one, you need to be clear with what you want. Number two, you've got to have a strong mindset and an understanding of who you are and how you think and how you operate so that your emotions, your thoughts, et cetera, don't get too out of whack when things go wrong. And then number three, you've got to understand how to perfect and, and uh, enhance your skills. As a, Being that I'm in real estate, sales is very important. So skills is something that I practice very early on on a daily basis so that today I, I could handle any objection, any sales objection at all. So, yeah. So the, as you become a better real estate broker, do you feel that you just start climbing the ranks in terms of the size of houses you're selling if or that, if that's, if that's what you want to do? Yeah. There's a lot of people that don't want to grow, but if you want to grow, then yes. Then you want to get into high net worth real estate. No, or you could do a lot of volume, a lot of units. There's a lot of different ways to skin the cat. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting volume. I mean, I'm just, I'm very curious. So there's so much things about that, that people just have no idea. I mean, getting your real estate license tends to be something that a lot of people that are naturally good at sales have done. I know a lot of my friends have gotten their real estate license and then they go all in on real estate and some people crush it and some people fail. What do you think separates the people that crush it in real estate versus the people that fail? an unattachment of what people think and a complete unattachment of failure. So an, an emotional disconnect to have that. Yeah. The, the, you've, it's a numbers game. You've got to realize that it's a numbers game. You can't get hung up in when things go bad because things are always going to go bad. Things are always not going to go your way. That's just called life. And the more it's called being even keel, don't get too high. Don't get too low. Stay right in the middle somewhere. Stay right in the middle somewhere. Is it referrals that really supercharge your real estate business? People referring you to others, or is it you having a huge pipeline of buyers that you've known? Or 
Is it the relationships you make with those buyers? What do you think is the most important in those, in those categories? I mean, well, think about that question. If you're just getting started, if you're just getting started, then you have no database to refer to or to get referrals from. So I think it's your ability to go out and find cold business. Because if you can go out and find cold business, then when the warm business comes, it's just in addition to the cold business that you found. Right. So you run a team now of brokers? Uh, yeah, we've got seven, six offices, uh, close to 400 agents. Yeah. How, uh, where's, where's the future look like for you? Where do you want to grow? Like where's, where are your goals at? I mean, yeah, I think we've got what it takes to be a nationwide brand. And I think we're about to position ourselves to do that. So, yeah. So you want to be like the go-to, the, the one that's most known. Is there a point where it gets so big that it's almost too much and you just don't want to have to deal with that level of, of issues? I mean, there may be, but we're not there yet. You know, uh, we're, we're, we've seen to have found a system that allows us to handle running the company in an effective manner. And uh, yeah, I, I'm enjoying what I do. Could you foresee yourself doing events all the time, like these relentless events all across the world and traveling? I could, yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I think I'm best at doing. So yeah, it's, um, it's definitely something I can see myself doing. When's your next one coming up again? What's the date? Yeah, it's April 21st, 22nd, and 23rd here in Ontario, California. And for information, all you have to do is go to relentlessevent.com. Damn. Hell yeah. I'm going to try to make it out. That sounds fantastic. Ooh. Yeah. Being able to connect with these, these big speakers, putting on these events is, is a really expensive thing too, right? I mean, very, very expensive. do you make money on events or do you think it's a loss leader, but it, it overall builds the brand? Yeah, now, now this I'm going to say, my event, I don't necessarily host my event to make money. That's not the, the purpose of the event. The purpose of my event is to change people's lives. So that's, the, that's like, in other words, my event is like a passion project. It's something I love to do. It's, I love helping. Like, for example, I, I can think of my friend Jose Bonilla, who's, who started coming to my event five years ago. Today, he's quit smoking. He's lost 70 pounds. His income has gone up 4X from 100 grand a year to 400 grand a year. And he went from working seven days a week to five days a week. That's, that's what my event is all about. That's what we do. Yeah. So, you, and you seem just to be the type, like the giving type, you know, because it's just when you're up there helping people, I mean, public speaking, just pouring into people, that's like one of the best highs and, and the best feelings when you know that someone can come up to you and say, because of you, Danny, you know, X, my life has changed and, and things have just prospered. I feel like that's where a lot of entrepreneurs want to be one day. And that's yeah. why I'm so interested by you because you took the real estate route into becoming this motivational public speaker which I don't know, there's not too many people that have done that. So that's very unique. Yeah, absolutely. I guess you could say I have a gift for coaching and teaching people and for motivating and inspiring from the stage. So when I looked at all of those gifts, I just kind of leveraged the fact that I actually had, because most, this is the thing, most people on social media today, they haven't, they don't actually have like a success story. They just want people to follow them because their ego needs that, you know? I, since I actually had and I actually created a successful business, I went ahead and took that and leveraged it and it gave me the voice to help other people. Yeah, that's huge. There's too many coaches and people out there 
every day that are, you know, building products and opportunities that haven't done it themselves. Right. And, you know, you're this, this brand that can do that, does teach the real estate and is making that happen. Do you have a lot of, I mean, this is a silly question, but do you take that your circle of friends today are crucial to you constantly leveling up and, and constantly finding say new business? Or do you think it's, it's mostly you? Huh. I don't know that my level of friends. No, it's it's always been me. It's always been me. I I now I think that the right friends can propel you or hold you back. Yes, there's truth to that. But I think a powerful human being decides what they want and goes after it with all their heart and soul. Is there a certain individual that you've looked up to your whole life that has kind of provided that motivation behind the scenes to you? Um that could be in the form of an audio book too, as well, or just books in general or authors. That it's, it's me. It's, it's all, and it needs to be you. It needs to be what you want to become. You know, the vision of yourself, that's what you need to look up to because when you do that, you're unstoppable, man. So your book, The Resilience Roadmap, that's writing a book is to me one of the hardest things possible. Just, just to stay concentrated and for a long enough period of time to just brain dump everything. What was that process like writing that book? How long did it take you? Like a, like a year, about a year. Yeah. The, the thing is, is that the book is so, it was so easy for me because it's literally like, if you were to ask me right now, all right, what's it take to be successful? It's just a roadmap of how I became successful. That's it. So it's, it's, it's sharing with everyone, like step by step, there's seven chapters and there's seven steps. Uh, it's a step-by-step guide to teaching people what it, how to how to grow whatever business they want. Out of every success and every failure, is there one failure that hit so hard to you that just knocked you down on your face? You had no feelings that you would ever get yeah. up from it. Yeah, Can you expand. Finan- yeah, the financial failure. I think it was 2007 or 2008 when the market crashed. That's the one that really kicked me in my teeth. I lost everything everything but and i and i can't blame the market on that i gotta blame myself because i wasn't prepared for it you know and so that's that's that was the one that was the one but it also changed my life so that's you know if i could tell your audience something is it's the fact that you know sometimes your greatest quote-unquote failures are your greatest teachers and sometimes you need those failures in order to become who it is that you are wanting to become the universe has an awesome way of working that way is if you have a vision to become something, it'll bring you the people and the circumstances you need to help change you into becoming that human being. Yeah. Do you foresee a future market crash coming? I don't know if crash is the right word, but correction is the right word. Yeah. Correction. Yeah. How do you, how do you become resilient to a correction? So if something's, if save, you save a lot of money, man, save a lot of money. Yeah. And be really good at what you're doing so that, you know, when, when the market corrects, your competitors get out of the business and you, by being as good as you are at what you do, you not only stay in, but you thrive. And you love gold too, because can you explain kind of where your fascination with gold just as a currency? I don't think it's a fascination. No, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's just, it, it's just a nice steady place to put your money in, uh, in case, you know, things ever went bad, you could use it and it's, it's, you know, it's better than having a dollar, quite frankly. Right. Was there a certain social media platform that you think 
helped you tremendously just get your word out and kind of yeah. create the online speaking platform? Yeah, I think Instagram has been awesome. But however, it's a double-edged sword in that Instagram has also, it's tough to make it on Instagram right now. It really, really is. Uh, the algorithms have changed so much. It's, yeah, it's, I, if an entrepreneur was starting right now and they wanted to build an Instagram brand or whatever, I'd say do it, but don't get your hopes up because it's really tough right now. Yeah, it seems crazy. It seems like it, it's changed a lot of people. I know some of my friends that have you know, millions of followers, they said that ever since they changed whatever that switch, it's just been you know one-fifth the volume that's been coming through. It is crazy. It is crazy. If you could go back to that, yeah. that kid in college that was 18 years old and you could have said now, like whispered one, two, or three things that you wish you could have told yourself that would have saved you a ton of time, money, headache, and heartache, what would, what would those be? I would say don't spend money on things you feel like you need in order to validate who you are. So don't get caught up in materialism and save your money. That's what I would have told him. Don't get caught up in materialism. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's a tough one, you know, especially when you're young and you get, you have it. I mean, I tell, uh, I tell the story a lot when I was in a network marketing company when I was 19 years old, um, by 21, I've hit the top ranks and, you know, I leased a brand new 335 BMW and, you know, was whipping around and easily one of the stupidest things I've ever done. Just money wise, it was just not a good decision, but you just can't tell somebody that's super young that that's not a good idea. You're just so like, what are you talking about? Yeah. They have to go through it. They have to go through it. Yeah. You got to just go through that gauntlet. Absolutely. If there's, is there one thing that you just suck at that you wish you were, you were better at that you like work on every day? I don't know if I suck at it, but I wish I was a little bit tighter on my diet, a little bit tighter on my diet. Um, but to be honest with you, I eat pretty well. So yeah, but that's the only thing that came to mind. Do you cook a lot? I cook a lot. Yeah. I'm, I love cooking, man. Dinner parties, dinner parties are a game changer. Yeah. Well, what we do is we invite a lot of people since I moved to Santa Monica, just networking with people in LA, you know, we invite awesome humans over, you know, 10, 20, 30 people, everyone brings a guest before you know it, you have 50 people and it's just such a good way to network. Do you, what is your most powerful way of just meeting people and networking? Would you say it's through social media or through your events? Through social media, through social media and through my events. Those, those are the two right there. Social media and your events. Yeah. I'm not a good networker. I just... I work, I let my results do the talking and then I see who else is interested in. Yeah. You're super matter of fact to the point. Yeah. 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 <laughs> is there, is there a certain place that you would like to see your brand head to where it's headed right now? No, I'm not, I'm not really concerned with my brand. Uh, I'm more concerned with growing our companies. Right. And when you say companies, it's your, it's your brokerage, it's your online coaching. Those are the two majors. Yeah. And the other one is uh, I have uh, uh, an investment firm that I'm starting up to help buy, you know, more properties. So yeah, those, those three. Right. And you kind of touched on it a little bit. Would you consider yourself a, a spiritual person? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Have you always been, or was it something you kind of grew into? I've always been, it's just what spiritual means to me has transitioned a little bit in the last year, in the last year. Can you expand? 
<laughs> I'm sorry, I'm making you go deep. If you don't want it, it's fine. No, it's fine. Yes. Yeah, so spiritual used to be religious for me. And the, and the problem with religion is, you know, for the most part, it's man-made. Uh, it's a set of rules and boundaries that man made that we have to follow. So spiritual means to me is a connection with yourself, a deep connection with your own soul, a deep connection with your own thoughts. That's what spiritual means to me. So now, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's changed for me dramatically. Is meditation a big thing in your life? Yeah. Every day. Every, every day. day. What's your, what's your routine like? I mean, you know, I'll show you around. Like I do meditation and breath work. I typically just sit and I close my eyes like I'm doing right now. And I take a deep breath in for five seconds. And I hold it for five seconds. And I exhale out for five seconds. And I hold it for five seconds. And when I'm doing this, I'm meditating on my third eye right here. I'm focused on my third eye with my eyes. And that's my meditation. That's, that's the way I do it. And I'll do that for a good 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes. Every day throughout the day or just in the morning or at night? Uh, you know, I wish I could say that I was better at doing it throughout the day, but I do do it sporadically. So, yeah, yeah, a little bit of all of the above, basically. Nice, nice. Can you touch a little bit on, like, DMO, you know, what you're doing on the daily that makes it? What is, what is DMO? daily method of operations? Like what are the things that you need to do every day to feel like it's a successful day? Yeah. And that's a great question. I don't necessarily know. I'll answer it this way. Cause I'm different today because I have way more leverage. I have way more employees now. I'll tell you what I did coming up. Uh, I would say number one, you got to wake up every day at a predetermined time. Number two, you got to work out every single day. Number three, you got to meditate because that helps you connect to your mind and your soul. Number four, uh, uh, you got to get to the office at a predetermined time so that you get consistent and disciplined. Consistency and discipline is going to win in the long run. Uh, and I would say those are the things. Right. This is something we kind of like to end every episode with. And it's, you know, always interesting to hear the different perspectives on the question. Yeah. But what would you say to somebody that is right on the edge of jumping into entrepreneurship for the first time? Meaning they have an idea, they have something they're passionate about, but something's holding them back. Maybe it's fear, maybe it's lack of, of current cash, maybe they have a family. There could be a lot of different reasonings. But what would you say to kind of push someone off that edge to kind of jump in and, and try it and just go all in. Yeah. Well, fear and anyone that's being held back, what, what that essentially is, is that a, it's a negative emotional story to a perceived outcome that hasn't even happened yet. So I would tell everybody, what is the exact opposite of that? What is the most outrageously positive story that you can tell yourself about that? And now you have a choice as to where you're going to put your energy. And I just always choose to put my energy into the positive versus the negative. And that's what I would leave everybody with. Right. Positive. Always staying positive. Danny Morrill, you're one of the most positive dudes. If you guys don't follow Danny on Instagram, check it out. And how can people continue to follow the journey, if not just on Instagram? I would say that's the best place. And then hopefully we'll see them at Relentless, which is April 21st, 22nd, and 23rd. Awesome, man. We appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, bud. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of Len Jones Party of Two. 
If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to stay up to date on our new episodes. And remember, hope is not a strategy. Keep making moves. Till next time, peace.